Hi, friends. Welcome to Encouraged and Equipped. On this podcast, we introduce you to the women of Christ Chapel Bible Church. We love being encouraged to live out our faith in Jesus by hearing the stories of women in our church community. We are so glad that you're here. We are so glad that you've joined us for our first episode of our Easter series here on Encouraged and Equipped. Today, we're focusing on brokenness. As you're listening to the conversation today, we would love for you to join us by accessing our Easter devotional guide. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, you can scroll down to the show notes and it'll be right there for you. And if you're joining us on YouTube, you can click the link in the description and that will pull up a PDF of that Easter devotional guide. In today's episode, Kristen Hines and Anna Caudell join me to talk about brokenness. Here's our conversation. Hi, we're here to celebrate Easter or begin our discussions about Easter, and I am thrilled to have with me Anna and Kristen, and they are going to join us as we lead into the Easter season. They are actually sisters, and we are excited to have them on. They're two of five kids, and actually, even though we're getting ready to talk about brokenness, as I was thinking about it, their family is incredibly fun. There's always a new idea or an event or an Instagram post of something with nieces and nephews and kids and grandkids and cousins and all kinds of people. So we are here to talk about brokenness, which is part of the reason for Easter. But I am excited to hear and get to know them also a little bit because they're just a great family. One thing we like to do as we start off each episode is to ask, what is a little something that has brought you joy lately? So Anna, what's a little something that has brought you joy lately? Oh, gosh. Uh, I wasn't totally prepared for this question. Um, The first thing that popped into my head was my new cup that I just bought last night. Ooh, what kind? Um, It's an Owala cup, similar to the popular Stanley cups that I refrained from buying (laughs) until this brand came out and I bought it the first day. So that has no bearing on anything eternal, but it did bring me joy. (laughs) Hey, that's great. Kristen, what about you? Um... Okay, the other day when I went to the grocery store, you know, sometimes you just need to add a little something different in the cart. And I grabbed a box of Fruity Pebbles. Yeah, I haven't and, had those in so long. Right? So I like the other day I was had a bowl as a, you know, midday snack, had some Fruity Pebbles. And just like the first bite, immediately, as soon as I take the first bite, I immediately am transported back to our granny's house when I was mm. like, six, seven, eight. You like, she always had Fruity Pebbles at the house. And I even will remember like the bowl that we usually ate it from or what her Mm -hmm. spoons were like. Um, And it's just a fun little reminder of childhood. And they're so good. Probably so bad for you, full of sugar, whatever. But on occasion, we do it and it's fun. It's a fun little treat. So Mm -hmm. Fruity Pebbles. (laughs) This 40-year-old endorses Fruity Pebbles every now and then. (laughs) Well, after that laughter and fun, I want to turn us to the topic at hand, which is brokenness. Mm -hmm. Obviously, God created the world and there was no sin and it was perfect. And we as humanity came and we broke this great gift that he had given us by sin. And for years leading up to Easter, there had been this longing for hope. Mm -hmm. And in Easter, we experienced the hope for that brokenness, and that is Jesus. And yet until heaven, we are all still partially broken and living in a world that is broken. And so I have invited you to have a conversation about that. And we are going to talk about brokenness in many ways, but I think it's important that we start by acknowledging what we all know, but at least acknowledging that I'm a sinner, Kristen is a sinner, Anna is a sinner. Mm -hmm. And I would love for us just to mark that and illustrate that we're at least hoping to come from a place of humility in begin this conversation by talking about our own brokenness, not as not as a comparison of who has the most broken story, because sometimes yeah. we listen and, oh, their story sounds more broken than mine or vice mm-hmm. versa. That's not what we're doing. We are just admitting we are broken and want to approach this topic from a place of humility. So Kristen, I'll start with you. Just when you think about your own brokenness, what situations or seasons have come up that uniquely remind you of your brokenness? I... um. I was thinking about this. I became a believer at a pretty young age. So I think a lot of people 
or people who become believers when they're older, they might start their relationship with Christ with a deeper sense of their own brokenness. Um, I didn't have that huge sense of that when I was five. Um, But I would say when it comes to seeing my own brokenness, the longer I've walked with Christ, the more it has become apparent to me. You know, Mm -hmm. the more I walk with him, the more, um, you know, he shows me his goodness and grace in the word. And he, in that goodness and grace, he continues to reveal to me how much I need him Mm -hmm. and how much growing I still have to do. Um, lately, depending on when I'm asked this question, I'm sure it could be different every time. But um, lately, one aspect of brokenness I keep seeing is just my own selfishness. I would prefer to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, and not have to do things that aren't fun or (laughs) enjoyable to me. And I can see this sense of selfishness, entitlement, frustration coming out when I don't get to do that. Um, And yeah, so that's, that's just one of many things. It's a reminder of the brokenness of sin in my life. That's still, still working out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also became a believer at a young age. Um, At that young age, my first thoughts were definitely um, that I needed Christ, um, but not necessarily because I was, I broke in or anything, but because I just knew I needed him and I wanted to never know a day without him. Mm -hmm. Um, When I hit maybe about sixth grade, I recognized a sadness that lived within me, um, which definitely didn't make a lot of sense because I knew Jesus and I knew that happiness was supposed to exist with Jesus. Um, But I still felt this sadness that didn't feel like it was rightfully mine to own. Um, And what I didn't know then and what I didn't have the words to express then was that I was definitely experiencing depression, uh, which is something I still experience to this day. I also didn't realize um, I experienced anxiety until I had children. I have four kids um, and I didn't realize that what I was experiencing growing up, um, this need to control and be comfortable, that that came from this anxiety that lived within within me. And um, it just became really clear after all the births uh, that anxiety was there and it was present. And um, I just noticed as a mom these days, especially, we just had this week of ice where we were stuck in our homes. Um, And I just started to notice about the first part of the week was great. Uh, The second half, I started feeling really touched out and I started feeling overstimulated. Um, And I just, you know, the house wasn't clean enough or there was a dish in the sink. Uh, (laughs) Just all these things that were um, making or I was letting make me feel um, just over, just over all the things. Yes. Um, And I just recognized in the moment that that was control just seeping out of me. um, And that was just anxiety. I was letting control my day. So... Mm -hmm. I didn't get it together that day, but then the next day it got a little better. (laughs) Well, I appreciate both of you being willing to be honest. Again, this isn't a podcast about our own deep personal sin. We Mm -hmm. could talk about it much more. There's a wide gamut of sin that I and you two and anyone listening brings to the table. And we just acknowledge that even as we talk about this, we are humbled by our own brokenness and our own sin and our own need Mm -hmm. for a savior. And so we are going to continue to talk about that. But I also wanted to perhaps turn a little bit and say, we live in a world where there is sin and we're going to come back to that. And that Mm -hmm. is certainly part of the brokenness, my sin and Mm -hmm. people directly sinning against me. But we also live in a world that's just broken, meaning you and I regularly engage with things that aren't right. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily because I am currently sinning or someone else is currently sinning against me. Things since Genesis three, when sin entered the world are just broken. Mm -hmm. And so I want to hear a little bit about what are some situations that either you have walked through or that you've walked through someone else that just remind you, we live in a world that's broken and Mm -hmm. in need of help. Anna, what about you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sadness as a result of our fallen world is really hard to understand and to walk through. Um, Personally, um, our first pregnancy resulted in a miscarriage Mm. um, and someone 
mistakenly asked, do you know what you did? And, you know, that wasn't a great question. I don't fault them for it. Even in the moment, I knew that was just a slip up. (laughs) They didn't they didn't know what they were saying. They just wanted answers. Um, But that's something that I didn't cause it. I didn't do anything. And I, I knew that. But it was still really hard. You know, it was still a result of brokenness. And um, I have some really, really dear friends who lost their child at a young age. Um, His name was August. He, you know, I thought before this, I'd just be able to fly through it (laughs) and I wouldn't feel emotional. Um, But you're going to hear my voice. Um, His name was August and he is my favorite little missionary. Um, The celebration of life for August was just one of the most worshipful and impactful experiences of my life. Um, We were at this church that was not our home church, so I wasn't used to it. We got there a little late and we went up into the balcony and it was like a wraparound balcony. So you Mm -hmm. could, um, it went all the way up to the stage. So we, I don't know why, we chose to sit at the front of the balcony where I had a clear view of my friends, (laughs) um, for this service. And, um, so I, I, I was just watching them the whole time. I was watching my sweet friends, Austin and Courtney, as they were worshiping their savior in just the hardest Mm. experience of their life, of my life to that point. Um, Mm. and just to get to watch them worshiping through that pain was so moving, when we left, there was a little lag time between the service and then when we were going to get together with the family and mm-hmm. um, just spend some time together. And I looked at my husband, Garrett, and I was like, that's not what I would look like. And what do I need to do? What do we need to do together? We had all we had our four kids, you know, at that point. At and I just looked at him. And I said, that wouldn't be it. That wouldn't be me <laughs> if that was me today. I'm not looking like that. And what do I need to do in my relationship with Christ Hmm. where I look like that, Hmm. where, um, her pain was evident, his pain was evident, but God was more evident. He was bigger there. Um, so I, I just, I think about that, um, and talking about him got me a little lost in my notes. Um, (laughs) but I was, so I was just thinking about what I needed to do to look more like them in that situation and how to grow closer to Jesus. And, um, just something else I learned, um, in that and through other times of suffering that when I walk through long suffering with people that it's not short, it's not quick. Um, but it is a long walk with people, um, that there are just some things that can be really hurtful and there are some things that can be really helpful. And one of the things that, um, we found walking with them is that, um, we needed to talk about him. We needed to keep August's name uh, in the story. We need to keep bringing him up. We need to um, keep him there because a lot of times people want to avoid talking about the sad thing or the missing person so as not to make the person who lost someone even more sad. Right. But like, you can't make them more sad. Um, (laughs) These friends of mine don't go a day without thinking about August. So bringing him up isn't going to make them be like, oh, August, they're thinking about him. So what is actually more hurtful is to not talk about him and to not um, bring him up because his life and his memory are precious. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just something I learned in walking through long suffering that can apply to all types of long suffering. But um, Mm -hmm. that was helpful for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I was thinking about, um, yeah, brokenness not related to specific like sin Sin. that someone, um, has done (laughs) some of, a lot of my examples were more just kind of daily things that we deal with personally. I, um, I mean, a lot of people in our family, so Anna could have said this too, but, (laughs) um, we, a lot of us have various struggles with migraines, you know, that's not, you know, from sin. It's just, oh, well, here's a broken relationship with my own body. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also, I mean, even today, literally allergies. (laughs) It's true. Sniffly today. (laughs) Everything is so, you know, I just, my head feels weird. And that's like our relationship to nature is broken and it shows up in Mm -hmm. my allergies allergies and my sniffly nose. Um, also thinking about, um, getting to do ministry for, Lots of years with especially young adult women, college and post-college, having so many conversations about just singleness or relationships that Mm -hmm. people 
maybe want to start, but there's not interest on the other side or, you know, things like that, where that's not sin against anybody. It's not wrong to not want to be in a relationship with someone who wants to be in a relationship with you. But that is just a symptom of brokenness in this world that we don't always get what we want. We don't always want what's good for us. We don't always want what the Lord gives us. Um, Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many examples, but those are just a few that come to mind for me. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. It does run the gamut. There just are so many ways that we live in a broken world and Mm -hmm. we have hope in the future. We have hope of God's present with us now, Mm -hmm. presence with us now. We have hope that he's using it for good in our life, but that doesn't mean it's not broken and it's not hard, even outside of someone's direct sin. Mm -hmm. The other side of that coin is that we live in a world that is broken also because of sin, Mm -hmm. because of my sin, because of your sin, because of other people's sin. And in some ways we see that in maybe regularly unkind words, people not loving each other as well as they should. Maybe it's something that's a a one-time thing. As we think about sin, at times it's easy to see, oh, here was the sin and here's what happened and how that affected me or this group of people. And sometimes it's just really innate in a community or an organization because our selfishness, Kristen, like you brought up, just infiltrates so many different things. Mm -hmm. And so we need to acknowledge that We are sinful and sin against each other and run into situations and people that are sinful. And so, again, that's incredibly broad and we could cover the scope of it, but I think we need to acknowledge that that occurs. Mm -hmm. And so, Kristen, as I kind of lay out the reality of sin in the world, what are a few things or stories that come to mind that remind you that we live in a world that is broken because of actual sin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One of the first things that comes to mind for me is, you know, like I said, working with young adult women for so many years. Um, sadly, I have walked with a number of them through um, just dealing with having been sexually assaulted or raped. This That's is just so hard. That's I mean, so even hard. one would be too many, Yes, <laughs> but yes. it, it happens so often. Um, and this is, you know, this is an example of someone else's sin affecting you and have, you know, showing this brokenness in, in the world, um, walking with them and helping them say, or realize, you know, they didn't do anything personally wrong. They didn't sin. This is not punishment for sin. It's not a result of their sin. Um, but they're still the ones having to deal with the aftermath and the hurt and the brokenness of all of it. Um, It is absolutely a result of someone else's sin against them, but it's not their fault. I mean, that's always a hard thing to help Mm -hmm. remember and talk about. Um, But it is, even in that, it's sweet to be able to be part of that and to be able to help remind women that God will heal them and that we do have this future waiting for us where things like this won't ever happen again. No one else's sin will ever affect us like that. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. So hard. Uh, When I think about sin that happens to you and is not a result of something you did, um, I think first about systems that are broken. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically, I think about public education. Mm -hmm. Um, The entire system is so broken. Um, Take, for example, lower resource schools um, that are dealing with lower lower quality equipment, out-of-date technology, and they're paying their teachers way less. They also mm-hmm. tend to have more first year and first year teachers and teacher turnover. Um, there is also less parent involvement, but not because parents don't want to be involved, but largely because parents are caretakers in the home. They have to work full time jobs, whereas mm-hmm. higher resource schools have thriving PTAs that make all the difference. They can help afford higher quality equipment, newer technology, um, and new opportunity and better opportunities um, for parent involvement and parent volunteers. Um, and we just we know by statistics and by all the studies that that makes a giant difference. So there's an opportunity gap. Children who live in neighborhoods that have lower resource schools are at an immediate disadvantage. And this isn't an issue that has personally affected me. This isn't something that I knew existed until I was older and until I um, had more friends that looked different than me and had experienced 
a life different than mine. And um, I had to learn to look through not my own lens when hearing stories from people, but through the lens of their lived experience and not to hear a story and immediately say, well, that's that's not what happened to me. So I don't think that that's real. <laughs> but I have learned to um, take them at their word and to really listen to them. Like walking through brokenness with people, it's not my job to fix it, um, but it's my job to help however I can. And if helping in that case means being the voice in a room where other people or people groups are not um, present, then that's something that I need to do um, as a follower of Jesus. And um, another thing I think about with systems that are just so broken, broken is, you know, unfortunately, like Kristen, I have been honored to get to walk through a lot of sexual assault with girls that I love. And um, mm. getting to see the legal side of that has been totally disheartening, <laughs> like just specific stories of um, it is so hard for women to come forward mm -hmm. and say that they have been hurt or assaulted um, to do that. And then for the system to not do anything or to not do anything quickly is so upsetting mm -hmm. um, to come forward and say, this happened to me. And then for the system to drag its heels why would anyone want to come forward? Mm -hmm. So it is, it's really hard to walk through that with someone to have to say to them, like, I am so sorry that the system is broken and that it is failing you. Um, and that there isn't always something I can do about it, except point you to hope, mm -hmm. except point you to a time when justice is going to be served because God loves you so immensely mm -hmm. that he will take care of this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I knew today we were going to get together and talk about brokenness, but I just, and I'm not a crier and I, I mm -hmm. won't cry, but like, like just I'll cry for thinking, you. <laughs> okay, great. Um, but like, I'm even getting teary and feeling just the weight of yeah, yeah, all of this. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, on the stories you've shared, but even how like I sin against people and the grief that that brings them mm -hmm. and the yeah. difficulty in my life brought on by other people sin against me and praise mm -hmm. God, he's gracious and forgives me and other people and mm -hmm. has put people in all places working to honor him and bring redemption. And yet I'm just really overwhelmed and a little teary just yeah. thinking about the, the depth of pain that mm -hmm. comes mm -hmm. from brokenness. And I think that that makes me really excited yeah. for Easter Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and Jesus yep, coming, coming back again. Coming, yeah. <laughs> Our sin should grieve us. Yes. And if it doesn't, then we have to take a real hard look at mm. why. Yeah. 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 Do we not realize, do we not take the Bible seriously when it is saying that none of us should be surprised by the capacity of sin within each of us? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. we can't look at all of these atrocities and then not turn inward and say, God, look, look in my heart. I want to test me and tell yes. me yeah. if, if there's any, you know, if there's any sin within me that I need to face. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. The reason that I asked the two of you on this episode was actually, you've already alluded to it too and <laughs> what you've been talking to. I know that you understand and see and experience brokenness and would be honest that you are also broken. Mm -hmm. But as I've watched both of you, it has bring me great joy and humility and also brings me to tears because while you don't love brokenness, you do a really great job of loving broken people or loving people that are in a place of brokenness, whether it's something that they've actually done and created a big problem or whether it's something that was done to them. You are both really good about stepping into that. And I'm honored to know you and to get to watch that and to hear and see people be influenced and get a taste of who Christ is and who the gospel is through that heart you have for brokenness and the grace with which you approach it. And so I know the simple answer is the Bible and Jesus says so, but I at least want to ask the question, like, why does stepping into brokenness and walking with broken people matter so much to you? Yeah. Um, I said just a little bit ago that it's an honor for me to get to share in these painful stories of brokenness. And I say that 
obviously first because Jesus calls us us to step into brokenness. Um, But I also say it because it truly is an honor for me to get to be brought into these kinds of hurts and pains. Um, Like I was saying before too, verbalizing pain is hard enough, but for someone to share their pain with me is truly a kindness to me. They're trusting me um, with the fragile pieces of their heart. Greg Cook once said that the wounds of a friend are precious to me, and I immediately pulled out my phone and wrote it down because that (laughs) resonated with me really deeply. Um, Mm. When I first started counseling for real, after I got certified, um, I kept telling everyone how excited I was after each session, (laughs) um, which sounded a little mean to me. I don't know, Um, but it was true, and it's what I was sharing, Um, but I just kept being so excited because um, not that what I was hearing wasn't hard. I was hearing a lot of hard stories and a lot of hard experiences, um, but I was so energized with each session because these women were stepping into a room with me just full of despair, full of despair Mm. and anxiety and um, a loss of hope. And then to get to have the opportunity to share with them that there is hope Mm. and like, not that there's just hope, like with a lowercase H, but like there's a living hope. Mm-hmm. Like there's a living hope who, who he wins, like spoiler alert, he wins the day. <laughs> he wins all of these experiences. He went, he wins all of it. Um, and just the idea that someone could enter into an encounter with me, um, and then leave filled with more hope than they came with just brings me so much joy. Like what a gift it is that God allows me to sit in a room mm-hmm. or sit in a coffee shop, whatever, and hear these vulnerable stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I also would always say it's such an honor. Um, just just the trust that it shows when someone's willing to share yeah. hard things that either have happened to them or that they have done or, you know, all the different aspects of brokenness. Um, I I really appreciate being able to help someone remember the hope that we have in Christ in the midst of that brokenness. Um, And partly almost selfishly, because every time I share that with someone else, I'm also reminding my own heart of the truth of the gospel. Um, Even if I'm not dealing with something specifically at that time or the same instance of brokenness or something, I always need those reminders of the gospel. I um, just, I think it was just last week, um, somebody texted me and, um, she just asked me to pray. She was feeling this anxiety creeping up again. And, um, and so I did, I, and I even texted, I was like praying right now and I stopped and I prayed. Um, but then I also decided that what might be even more helpful is if I texted her what I was praying and, (laughs) you know, typed it out so that as the anxiety would creep up at different times, she could go back and look at it if she wanted to. And, you know, be reminded of those truths. So I was praying and just talking about God's love and care for us and his control over everything and his goodness and trustworthiness and just all of those good things and um, typed them all out, sent it. And then I read back over it again. And even just in that moment, I was like, oh, wait, I needed I needed to hear that too. Like, <laughs> yes. you know, it, it was bringing to mind other situations in my life at that moment where I was like, oh, wait, I actually really ended up needing this encouragement and Mm -hmm. truth for myself too. And it was, you know, so it's, it's sweet the way Mm -hmm. God allows us to help other people, but he also uses that in our own lives too. Yeah. As I've, I'm listening to you guys, I am going to ask a follow-up question because Mm -hmm. to have you two sitting here, knowing the wealth of experience and heart you have for brokenness, I, I want to even follow up on that, kind of hearing your why. Would you be willing to share without anyone's names, either circumstances that you've gotten to walk through, or what is it you've learned that are either helpful tools to do with someone who's broken or things that maybe you shouldn't do with people who are broken? Um, because having someone to walk through pain with you can be incredibly profitable, but it can be hurtful. Yeah, And so talk a little bit about your experiences walking with broken people. Yeah. I have learned plenty from, you know, from the (laughs) things to do and things not to do. Um, One thing, I guess, starting with a not to do, um, you know, I have noticed sometimes those who are in pain, they're not always helped when believers step in because um, so much your own motives 
need to be examined, you know, when you're stepping Mm -hmm. in to help somebody, um, if your motives aren't in the right place or, or even if your advice might be biblically true, but not actually applicable to that situation. Um, or if you blame that situation on that person's sin when it's not actually their fault, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, that can really be super hurtful and turn people away. It makes me think of, just all the middle chapters of Job yes. <laughs> where his friends are coming in and they're, mm-hmm. they're even saying things that are true about God and true about sin, but they're not true about that situation. Yeah. And it hurts Job more than it helps. helps. Yes. Um, so we really, we need to watch out for, um, for that desire, I think to be helpful and make sure it doesn't become a selfish thing. Like, Oh, I feel needed or, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm getting something out of helping, but make sure it's focused on truly helping that other person. Um, and, you know, it's going to be, Anna already alluded to this, it's going to be much more than one conversation. Yeah, Healing takes a long time. And if you really want to help, it's not just, oh, well, I'm just going to pop in, give you all this wisdom I have and feel great right. about it and then leave. If you're truly helping, um, they're going to need reminders a lot more often. Um, you need to be ready to commit and really help. Um, and then also, maybe this sounds like a negative, but I think this is a positive. Mm-hmm. I have learned and am reminded and reminding myself often that the person I'm helping doesn't need me. Hmm. What they mm-hmm. they need Jesus, um, and so it's a good reminder of what to do. It's constantly point people to the gospel, point them to Jesus, encourage them to be praying and reading the word for themselves and not just coming to me for advice mm-hmm. and making sure that the advice I'm giving isn't just me that it's connected to scripture. Um, and then to be able to do that, I also have to be in the word and prayer myself. Mm -hmm, You know, I can't point people (laughs) to Jesus and the truth of scripture if I don't know them. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot, but those are a lot of, but those are all really good. Like true, like really helpful. You know, what would you add to that? Um, well, something that came to mind just during all of that, which was so good, um, is I was just thinking about how, People have shared these kinds of stories with me, um, you know, at, to varying degrees, pretty much my whole life. Like, I think I just have that face that people feel like they can un- unburden themselves with me. Um, it's how like I've always been the mom of whatever group I'm in, no matter my age. Uh, and it's how I've known since I was a child that I'd be counseling one day, just like... Which is funny, because you're the youngest of five. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I have enough personality for 10 of us. Um But I was thinking about how almost without fail, every time someone unburdens themselves to me, they end it by saying, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry I just did that. And every time I just want to kind of shake them and be like, no, thank you, first of all. And also your burdens aren't something you need to be sorry for. Hmm. Like you should not feel... um, sorry for sharing these heartaches with someone like Mm -hmm. they are burdens that you're not supposed to carry alone. You know, that is, that's why when we're walking with people who are experiencing brokenness, we also shouldn't be doing it alone. We should be doing it. um, They, we should not be the only person that they are walking with. You need to have a team Um, again, kind of a varying degrees, but we should be doing this together and in community with one another. And, um, then thinking about motives, I think about how I have to check my motives just constantly, um, when going through these kinds of situations, um, often it fills my tank, um, in a way that is filling my pride and making me feel like I'm the healer. True. Um, so continuously I have to redirect myself to the, the real and only healer. Um, and also that's kind of like, on the other side of that too, it gives me so much freedom that I'm not the healer. I am not going to fix this situation. So it does not rest on me. And that takes away so much burden from me. That's why you can unburden yourself from, to me because I'm not going to take it up. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to walk with you with it. Um, which that's just so freeing to me that I'm not the healer. I cannot, I can't do any of this. It's by God's grace that he allows me to get to walk along any of these things. So I no longer allow myself to step into these kinds of situations. Um, if I'm not having the right motivations, um, before I go into it, um, you know, just like, just like Spider-Man says with great, uh, power (laughs) comes great responsibility. 
Um, and that's true with this. Like we have to guard these stories that are shared with us. I think we've done a good job today of being an example of sharing things that we have been involved with, but not using their stories to share as our own. Um, like we have shared from our perspective what we have learned from it, but these stories are sacred and we should treat them with great um, protection. Um, so I have several friends um, that have had trouble growing their families in the way that they wanted to or that they thought in a way that they just thought would kind of be easy because, you know, we're women and we're told since we're little, especially in the church, that like, you grow up, you get married, you have babies. Um, and that's what you do. And a lot of times it's really hard and they express how hard it can be in the midst of their pain and suffering while the world around them just continues to move and to grow. Um, when they are experiencing so much grief and so much sadness, and they've also talked about how they've encountered a lot of insensitivity. So this goes to, um, you know, how we can do this well and how we can be harmful when we're engaging with people who are grieving. Um, but specifically like asking a grieving mother who has lost a child or who is having difficulty becoming a mother, asking her if she's going to try again, or why don't you just adopt? That's really insensitive. It's really hurtful. It definitely doesn't show that you're listening and it doesn't show that you are being empathetic to their situation. Um, and I do want to say too, if you're a person who's made a comment, like I just said, we've all said something at some point. Absolutely. We wish we could take back. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much grace for that too. And there needs to be, um, but it's also a really good opportunity to apologize and to actively apologize if that's something that you have done. There's mm -hmm. got to be learning. There's got to be room to learn from our mistakes. Um, and something else I find that's really helpful in these situations is to do my own research, is not to make the sufferer the like the end all be all has all the answers for their suffering. Like they're in the suffering. They don't know how to get through it. That's why they're talking to you. <laughs> so I find it's really helpful to do my own research, to um, try and understand from other people's experiences, what's helpful, what's not helpful. And also like the person you're dealing with is a person. Um, so sometimes you can just ask like, was this really helpful or was this not? <laughs> is there a way I could have done this better? Like that's okay to ask. Yeah. And I find it's also really good to be specific. Like if someone, you know, you're wanting to do a meal train for people, that's wonderful. That's an active way to help people. Um, but people who are grieving don't always want to have a lot of face-to-face -face time with other people. Um, so I, I think it's really helpful if you say to someone, I want to make you a meal. Can I leave it on your porch? Will you tell me what time? You don't have to see me. You don't have to, if you want to see me, fine. But just ask them what they would like and then do it. <laughs> and then listen do it. and actually do it. Don't like think they're just not saying something, but they're thinking it. If you ask, listen to it mm -hmm. and then follow through. Yeah. So many great thoughts. So much great wisdom there. Just the need. So many things. The power of listening. Mm -hmm. Thinking of like not thinking about yourself as you walk in to help, but thinking totally. about the other person. Cause so often I'm thinking, well, what can I do or do right or whatever? And that's an okay question, but needing to think mm -hmm. to put that person's needs first versus how I'm going to feel right. about the interaction. You guys said so many mm -hmm. helpful things. Um, I do want to ask, obviously we are, we've talked a lot about brokenness, but mm -hmm. brokenness leading up to Easter. Yeah. And so I want us to actually turn to the Easter story because when we think about the Easter narrative, like starting, I mean, from a place of brokenness leading into a place of hope, mm -hmm. obviously both that brokenness and the hope are all over the Easter story. So as we head into this, Kristen, what parts of the Easter story really strike you as impactful personally? I really love that Easter... I've just been thinking about this a lot recently. Easter is a holiday that, you know, happens officially once a year. But as the church worldwide, we actually commemorate Easter more than once a year. Okay, how Some so? churches do it every single week. Some churches do it once a month or whatever. But, um, you know, Jesus left us with two things that he told us to do. And they are things that specifically remind us of Easter weekend. Um 
which was the time when Jesus was broken on the cross Mm -hmm. to ultimately heal the brokenness of the world. Mm -hmm. So he told us to baptize and be baptized. So every time someone is baptized, um, when they get dunked under the water, we remember the death and burial of Jesus. And then when they come up out of the water, we remember his resurrection Mm -hmm. and we identify our lives with his life in that. Um, So baptism is one. And then also every time we take communion, um, we are breaking bread Mm -hmm. to symbolize the brokenness of Jesus's body. Mm -hmm. And we drink the wine or the grape juice or whatever (laughs) um, to symbolize the blood that he shed to pay for our sins. Um, So, I mean, really, that's why baptisms and communion make me cry almost every time. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when we're baptizing, when we take communion, um, we're celebrating Easter and we're proclaiming that the world is broken, but also that Jesus was already broken to heal it. Mm -hmm. Just those reminders. I love that you've brought that up because we haven't really touched intentionally on the fact that Jesus was broken Mm -hmm. and the depth of that brokenness in so many ways, Mm -hmm. as if you illustrated that you just illustrated, like he experienced a lot Mm -hmm. and was broken (laughs) significantly to we've acted like there's hope for this brokenness and there is, Mm -hmm. but there was a significant cost to this hope Mm -hmm. that we're pushing toward. And that is found in the brokenness of Jesus Mm -hmm. followed by the resurrection. But for you to highlight the depth of what Jesus had to go through so that we even get to experience and talk about this hope is essential. Yeah. Essential to Easter. So important. Yeah. Uh, I think about how I grew up in going to um, an Episcopalian school and because of that, so often the image of Jesus that I have in my head is like a pretty, a pretty pretty picture. Um, you know, like the Jesus that was hanging on the wall behind, uh, the altar at our school, he looks like, all right. He wasn't very messy. (laughs) Like he looked like he's, he's draped appropriately. Um, and he he doesn't look broken. Mm -hmm. Like you can see maybe a tiny bit of where the nails were piercing him, but I just, I think about that and I wish that, you know, we had Eucharist every single Friday. Mm. We had this like beautiful time where I I wish I had been taught then the depth of what it meant. And I wish, I mean, I guess you can't have like a super graphic Jesus on the wall. <laughs> In the kindergarten classroom. But I wish that yeah. we had approached Eucharist with more reverence, or at least I personally would have, um, because it's so important. It's how we gloss over, you know, the day of darkness before Jesus returned. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why it's so easy to want to move past the pain and the hurt of brokenness and just to get beyond to it feeling better. Like that's why we ask dumb questions when people <laughs> are hurting because we want them to feel better because if they feel better, we feel better because pain is really uncomfortable. Um, and I just think about how Jesus was broken at Easter so that we could be unbroken, you know, like we're going to get new bodies Mm -hmm. because these bodies aren't, aren't right. (laughs) (laughs) These bodies aren't good enough. They're not what God planned for us. Um, and he was burdened so that we could unburden ourselves with him and to him because nothing is too heavy for him. And he defeated death so that his church would live. Like, what's more beautiful? Brokenness leads to restoration. Um, we've just got to have a right view of sin so that we understand the goodness that is Jesus and his sacrifice. And if we don't have a right view of sin, then does the cross mean anything? Mm-hmm. I love that phrase. He mm-hmm. was broken so that he could make all things unbroken. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so encouraging. And no, and he will, and he will. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. not just so that he can, right. but that he, and he's already started. Yes. yes, that's. I think we can see, we see the brokenness easily because mm-hmm. it's all around us. Mm-hmm. But we have to actively remind ourselves that he's already started. Yeah, that healing, um, and is continually healing, and will finally heal and fix everything. Mm-hmm. And that is the hope in this conversation. Hopefully we've wanted to be honest about brokenness because we don't, if we gloss over it, Mm -hmm. then I don't think sometimes we can either 
emotionally feel like, well, if the brokenness isn't really that bad, then Mm -hmm. what do I do with my brokenness that feels bad? And so we've not wanted to gloss over the reality of the brokenness, but that's where we get to the magnitude of Jesus, that we've even only touched on how bad the brokenness Mm -hmm. is, but that Jesus is in our lives and in the lives of the people we get to interact with that trust in Christ, Mm -hmm. like bringing healing, bringing redemption, bringing hope now Mm -hmm. and willfully in the future. And that is why we can talk about brokenness. I mean, I'm already kind of teary about it, but it's the way that we can talk about it with some sense of sanity and not be on the floor sobbing. We can get through. Because (laughs) there is a hope. And it is, like you said, it's Jesus. Yeah. So tell me some final thoughts or just a final encouragement as we close out this time together. Um, I have been reading as we're leading up to Easter. I, this new little book came out, um, it's amazing. I highly recommend it. It's less than a hundred pages, so everybody can do it. Um, it's called Lint, and um, it's by Esau Macaulay. I was going to say that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sisters think alike. Yep. And it was really sweet to be reading it, knowing that this podcast was coming up and just having this topic of brokenness in mind. Um, I think he does such a good job of reminding us of the hope we have even in hard things. Um, So kind of for a final thought, I just wanted to read this quote. Um, It's the section where he's talking about Ash Wednesday, which um, if you don't know, traditionally it's when um, believers often have ashes put on their foreheads in the shape of a cross. And while the priest or pastor or whoever puts it on there, um, they say, remember that you are dust and to dust you will return. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the book, in the section where he's talking about that, Macaulay says, but if the ashes of Ash Wednesday point us toward the link between sin, death and rebellion, they also contain something else, something more important than everything we have seen thus far. The ashes are in the shape of the cross. That cross carries within it an entire story and the foundation of human hope. It is the story of loss and gain of the incarnation of the truly good one, his glorious life and triumphant defeat of death. The ashes are not just a reminder of our great failure. They remind us of God's victory over sin and death through the life, death and resurrection of his son. The ashes on our forehead remind us that even as we continue our slow march toward death, we serve the one who has already defeated the enemy that stalks us. Mm -hmm. And that just really summarized to me, like why I love talking about hard things like brokenness, especially during this season. It's just that reminder that Christ has already won Mm -hmm. and that things will not always be this way. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't come with a quote, so it's better that you (laughs) brought the book up. (laughs) That's a good quote. Um, It makes me think about how it is such a good question to ask people eventually when they're suffering. um, Where do you see God working in this? Where do you you see God working in your story? Um, But we can't ask that too fast. Like there is a time to sit. And I know this isn't the podcast about limit, but there is a time to sit in the sadness and to sit in the pain. Um, I don't know that we always see God in our story as quickly as people want to ask where he has been. Um, I know that when, when I had a miscarriage pretty quickly, I was able to think about how God was going to use that for good and how specifically for me, I was just brought to worship because I got to know God a fraction of a bit better because he lost his son. And, you know, we thought, um, we didn't know the gender of our child, but we think he's a boy. We'll know (laughs) one day when we meet him. Um, but I just, I got to, I turned to worship in the pain pretty quickly, um, only by the grace of God, but that I got to kind of commiserate with him that we know this, we both know this. Mm -hmm. Um, and, Anyways, that that's where God was in the story for me. But if someone had asked me that moments, you know, the moments after, even if I was already thinking it, if they had asked me it, I wouldn't have been ready. I wouldn't have been ready to <laughs> talk about that yet. Um, I would have wanted them to sit with me for a little bit longer. Um, in Psalm 56, the psalmist says, you have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle, and they are they not in your record? And I just... 
love it. I mean, first of all, just the imagery of like God keeping our tears in a bottle, like he totally would, you know, he'd keep all of our teeth that we lost, like a sweet overbearing (laughs) mother. Um, But he, it's just, it means he knows, he knows our pain. Um, He knows his, he knows his pain and he knew that it was leading um, to the greatest good for us, but he understands pain and he didn't leave you alone to walk in it, to walk Mm -hmm. in it by yourself. And he equips people to be able to walk alongside you as well. And Jesus didn't walk the earth alone, and we shouldn't either. I know that, Anna, you mentioned that this isn't the Lament podcast. That is next week. Uh That is coming. (laughs) And so, and really the Lament will lead to celebration. That will lead to life change. I mean, the the Easter story is not brokenness separate from Lament, separate from whatever. And we obviously, for time's sake, dividing it into four sections. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of heaviness in this, Mm -hmm. but I think appropriately so. Mm -hmm. Number one, the amount of brokenness that I personally bring to the world. Totally. The rest of the brokenness that exists in the world Mm -hmm. and the brokenness that Jesus chose to and had Mm -hmm. to experience Mm -hmm. to make it so we can experience healing and so that one day we will be unbroken. And so there's a weight to that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that weight is a good thing. So thanks for being willing to share. Let me close this in prayer. Jesus, you were broken for Kathy, for Kristen, for Anna, and for so many more. And we just acknowledge that and very reverently say thank you and we're sorry. We ask for forgiveness for our sin and the brokenness that we have brought. We also live in a broken world and that impacts us. I pray that you would enable us to respond well to it. I pray that we would be women and that we would be a church that walks well with others through their brokenness. And I thank you, Jesus, not just for your death, but for the resurrection, for that gives us a hope that undergirds our brokenness now that brings healing and that is our hope for what is to come. And Mm -hmm. so we also, we thank you for your brokenness and we thank you for your resurrection and for what it does um, to make us um, unbroken in eternity and to experience um, pieces of our brokenness being put back together on earth. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more episodes, be sure to follow Encouraged and Equipped.